0: Coming up today on Locked on Texas Tech, we get you ready for a collision with Jerome Tang and the Purple Wildcats. It's Tech and K-State on the hardwood this weekend. We look ahead and also looking ahead to a guy we talked about yesterday, Tyler Shuck, who is being discussed by men with trophies. We'll get into all that and more coming up next on Locked on Texas Tech.
1: You are locked on Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're
0: going to start this thing off right. Raiders! Raider! 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 Raider!
1: Everything runs through love.
0: Great to be with you again on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team Every day. He's the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan, and today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online's got you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. So get there now with Bet Online, where the game starts. Chris, great to be back with you, man. Wrapping up another week. We've had a whole lot to discuss on multiple fronts, and we'll be there once again here today. We'll wrap it up uh, with a bit of a football conversation, but obviously kicking her off here with basketball on the mind as Mark Adams and the Red Raiders still looking for their first Big 12 win, and they are back in quite this scenario. The Octagon of Doom is going to be the scene coming up this weekend as Tech goes to take on K-State. And I've kind of had this feeling before, Chris, going into a couple of these conference games where you look at the opponent and you say, I don't know if there is a team in the league with more momentum than these guys right now, whoever that might be. And right now it kind of feels like Kansas State is that team.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, Kansas State, to, to be honest with you, they're one of the best stories in college basketball uh, this year. Uh, Jerome Tang, Tang takes over for Bruce Weber. You know, Bruce Weber kind of hung on, hung on, hung on at Kansas State for a while and, you know, had tied for a Big 12 championship in fairly recent memory. But just it 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 just wasn't turning the corner and there was no uh, consistency that they could sustain. And, you know, I, I remember being in Kansas City last year and Bruce Weber would be fired. I, I, we may have even actually still been in Kansas City when they made the move. And, and, and Baylor was at the same hotel that we were. And Jerome Tang, who was Scott Drew's main assistant, was there and around. And we just kind of would all pass each other in the hallways and things like that. And, like, I can't remember how many days afterward he would be named the head coach at Kansas State. And he was with Scott Drew for many, many years. And I, I was just surprised that I think I've said that to you that, that this was the job that he took because this is a tough job, man. And, and, but, but he's turned it. And it's mostly all new players. I think uh, Keontae Johnson is one of the, you know, best stories in college basketball. And it still, I think, makes it, people a bit nervous he was he was a player that ironically played for Al Pinkins uh at at Florida who is now Mm. on the tech staff and Keontae was had the heart issue and kind of you know like you know fell out during a game and it was scary and I think that he sat out for a full year uh before and and Florida was not going to clear him they were just like "We, we can't we're not doing this but Kansas State for whatever reason figured out did enough tests, and I think they have people with him all the time just in case something happens. But he's 6'6", 230, man, and he's he's a first-team All-Big 12 guy at this point right now. Um, he's averaging about 18 a game. And so that, that's a big reason why. You get the right guy, the, the coach, with a lot of energy, and you get the right player, and then look out. And then they have the best short player in all of college basketball, Marquise Noel, who's about 5'8", one sixty. But that that cat is averaging eight assists a game. Eight. <laughs>
0: are I we mean, sure that's not Deuce Vaughn in a basketball uniform by another name? Where do they come up with these great, small guys? It's a great comparison. That are killers, yeah.
1: man. I mean, it's a great comparison. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, Marquise Noel, he's the one. I think he dropped 36 on Texas in Austin Crazy. Uh, a week or so ago. So Yeah, just yeah, that, that point total for the team in general was eye-popping, man. One sixteen. I've never heard of it. I mean, Crazy. like, you, you're, I may have be dating myself, but you remember Loyola Marymount when, you know, Hank gathers and and Bo Kimball and that that Paul Westhead and they just got up and down the floor and they would try to score one hundred sixty, but it was not, it was not. We're gonna try to stop you. It was like, how quickly can we get a shot up because we don't think you can keep up with our style and <laughs> right. and all that. But yeah, the the one sixteen uh, the other day and, and against Texas, who's a pretty good defensive team. (laughs) I mean, and an old team and a long
0: team and all that just wild. Yeah. That's crazy. Since, uh, Tang spent so much time in Waco with Scott drew and the Baylor bears are, are, should we expect anything similar to Baylor? What do you see that K-State's doing that is, or isn't similar to where he came from?
1: Yeah, well, it's it's a faster pace because I think that's partly why Bruce Weber didn't didn't ultimately make it is his style of play. So Jerome Tang and, and what, what Kansas State is doing now versus what Bruce Weber and Kansas State was doing last year is very, very different. Hmm. This is, you know, under Weber, this was a grinded out, uh, similar to kind of how Oklahoma plays now. We, we want to execute uh, in the half court, Uh, we're going to run a ton of different offenses. It's going to be a pain in the ass to try to guard because my team's going to be able to know 30 to 40 different sets and different movements and calls for different guys. I mean, it's just almost overwhelming how many. So at some point defensively, you would just try to keep it simple because like we can't learn all this stuff. (laughs) We're not even going to try to guard specific plays. Let's just, let's just play zone or let's just play whatever. And then defensively, under Weber, they were, they grinded. I mean, they, they would make you execute the same way and they slowed the game down. Um, and because I think that Weber felt we're never going to get the athletes or the players that can get up and down the floor and we can't win this way consistently. So let's let's be real technical and, and, and turn it into a rock fight and grind and we can win games like this. And to some extent, he was kind of right, but mostly wrong. Okay, so then Tang <laughs> comes in, and it's guard oriented. It's up and down, and he's got. They got a bit lucky by getting a guy like Keontae Johnson to transfer in, uh, and they took a bit of a chance uh, because of his his health issues. And you know, this is something that Texas Tech looked at too, because of you know Coach Pinkins' relationship with uh, with Johnson, and it just I don't I don't know medically if it just was ever gonna get signed off on. But, but point being, they really get up and down the floor. This is a pace team. Now, this is a team that will really kind of try to outscore you a bit. And they're very athletic. They're very deep. Most of this team Casey is brand new, I mean, there's not a lot of holdovers at all. Marquise Noel is one. And I think, I think that's, it's just fascinating looking at, I keep doing this, but like what your, your team last year and how it was built, it seems like that's kind of the formula. If you have a few key holdovers that can provide the culture for your team, like Noel is doing for for Kansas State, and just kind of, hey, here's how it is here, and then you sprinkle in a bunch of new pieces and hit on most of them. Because Kansas State, they didn't, they weren't the top of the food chain when it came to, uh, you know, picking off the transfer portal. I mean, we're talking Hofstra, uh, Stony Brook, Virginia Tech. There's a, I mean, they're they're, there, but but they all know their role, they're all athletic, they're all long, and they're all playing a style that it's a lot of fun and it's working
0: well. Uh, now that we've outlined what's going on with the people in purple, as for Texas Tech, but first, today's episode brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get there now for the latest. On every professional and amateur league, whether it's pro football playoffs or college basketball's regular season, they got you covered and all points in between. And if you like sports podcasts, you're going to find even more of those at Bet Online as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to keep up with your teams, your events on game day. It is your HQ for live betting stats and scores. Now, with more props, odds, and lines than ever before so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more with bet online where the game starts now that we've outlined what's going on with the people in purple as for texas tech how do you see that matching up with the red raiders is there anything to take advantage of is it better for texas tech to to face a team that wants to get up and down maybe a little bit quicker tempo or the opposite of that what do you see there
1: yeah, I, I think you kind of in a way because you're not great on defense yet or or this year, you know, like you were last year. I think you you kind of get baited into this style, and it's not one that against some of these teams that you're going to to win at. Yeah, um, you know, and I I that would be my concern against Kansas State is that okay? We'll, we'll get into, We'll run up and down the floor with you. I mean, you can do this. I just don't know if you're as good at it as they are. Uh, and so much of of I think other team success these days is just their guards or they have a guard that is just better than anybody you have, and so with that, it, it puts you in a bind because this their guard either hits shots at key times, sets guys up, or doesn't turn it over, or you know I mean they they they, they make it flow, they QB the thing you know Keontae George and then Flagler and Cryer you know Mike Miles at TCU um, you know just uh, you know Dewan Harris for for Kansas and so that's what Marquise Noel is doing for for Kansas State this is where either uh, Pop Isaacs or Davion Harmon have got to just uh, you know in, in tandem be, be the guys that kind of get you out of this this uh, this losing streak and You know, I I don't, I don't, it's, it's, it sucks, but I mean, the data is the data. But, you know, one of your biggest problems in the Big 12 is just, is Kevin O'Banner hasn't produced enough. Um, He's your oldest guy. I mean, I I think I've said this before, Casey, but, and I'll update it now, but he's a three point shooter and that's a weapon, right? I mean, he's going to, if he gets a look, he's going to launch him and he's got to hit those. And, in and big 12 play now we'll update it. He's, he was four of eight versus KU, but he's now one of 14 in the other five games. And Hmm. that's just got to be better. Um, You, you know, your, your perimeter needs some help. I think pop's done his part. Jalen Tyson, you know, pours it in a bit, but I just, this isn't a team in Kansas state that's going to bury you from the arc. They really actually, it's the opposite. Wait, what? Yeah. Really? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> their, their their mo their mo is they hammer you around the rim, because they're they're long and burly and skilled, and they've got this quick as a hiccup point guard that can get wherever he wants and then get those big fellows uh, the ball. But they really hammer the rim. So just
0: just wait, Chris. We'll get them cooking from beyond the arc. <laughs> just wait.
1: <laughs> but if, if anything, the, really this game will be about how Bacho and Fardaw is kind of handle their business on yep. offense and they stay, stay out of foul trouble and how can they protect the rim you know that's yeah. because that all the analytics would tell you that that kansas state's about as good in the country as just uh, shots around the rim um and it's just pace it's skill it's size uh they use a variety of things to get easy shots around the around the basket but you know this is this is where you'll need your bigs to really step up and play and it's going to be sold out i think it's supposed to snow three inches in manhattan tomorrow oh, good. so i really am hopeful that uh, i am uh, back uh tomorrow night we don't get stuck in, in manhattan kansas uh, that would uh not not be well but it's gonna be
0: sold out they're top 15 in the country and yeah now nah, i doubt anybody will be there man those kansans <laughs> aren't a very hardy people a little snow a little dust that'll keep them at home no worries they're not crazy or anything like that <laughs> chris i'm thinking uh You know, when we're talking about transition and and things like that, and if Texas Tech was to get in more of a a run-and-gun type of ball game, what would need to change? And what would need to change is some players finishing some shots, um, either knocking some down in transition or finishing at the rim. And, man, how many times have we seen, like, little bunnies missed here or there or a layup or a dunk or whatever? And when you're in a two-, three-, four-point game at the end of the day – Those things really stand out. So if you get in that kind of game, you need to be quite a bit different, I think, at least in my opinion as a team, than you have been so far to be successful because you have not been able to finish. I attribute some of it to youth or or whatever it might be. You know, guys able to get to the rim, but then can you get the two points? Um, So I don't know how it's going to work out on that front, but I do feel like you've got to be able to really finish uh, if you're going to play that kind of game and be successful. I am wondering, though, from a, a big man standpoint, you mentioned Bacho, you mentioned AMAC. Like, I don't, I don't understand, I guess, Bacho's timeline right now. Like, is he still sick or he's just trying to battle back from losing weight from being sick? Cause wasn't it, this is like three weeks ago now. Yeah. Right? All, all,
1: like all the above. He, he's just not been right really since he got uh, sick. And I think, yeah, so I, I guess it, it, you know. Just to recap, it was it was right before that TCU game, which was on New Year's Eve, and I think that you know he, he really had a hard time uh, the day leading up and the morning of, and I you know I, I wonder if if he or they would have decided, hey man, you know what, it's probably best just not to to play you today. But he kind of he wanted to. I mean, I, I you hear he was getting sick before the game at halftime. But just trying to you know soak it up so you can't question his his want to or his toughness. Sure. And then he misses the next game. I think I think that's right um, against Kansas. I guess that was. Uh, no, no, it wasn't against Kansas because that's where he got hurt. Um, he he that that's what it was. So he yeah against TCU that he plays against Kansas and still not right. And I think his stat line would suggest that to you, but that's the one where he gets hurt with the, the, his his finger, and so you, you've you've had a couple of issues because his
0: yeah.
1: his I, I thought that that last play and he went down hard. I, I looked up and I thought he's just broken his wrist. Right, it, this is not this is not good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, luckily, uh, it was just a dislocated finger, which if you ever have that done, people like, oh, that's no big deal. Yeah. Try it sometime when you're, (laughs) you're, you're biting the towel and somebody's like putting it in back in place, or you have had a shoulder separation before. And it's like, and you hear that, that pop, you know, like where it goes back in. But, but so these are the, he just hasn't really been, been right. And then the third thing is now he's learning to, to adjust and play with, or, the fact that Fardau is, is now back. So there's been a lot going on, but bottom line is, I don't know if I look at him like O'Banner, like, dude, you got to step up. We got to have it because O'Banner's is a lot more experienced yeah. and is produced. I just would like to, because you forget Baccio's really, really young. I mean, he's still a sophomore. I mean, yeah. he, he, he looks like a grown man. He looks like he's 27 mm-hmm. years old, but he's not just super experienced. And, uh, this is his kind of really first true go-around in the Big 12 because last year he wasn't getting to play a ton when it came to the league. Uh, that was Bryson Williams's uh, those were his minutes. But uh, yeah, to your point, that's if he steps up, the whole thing's gonna 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 elevate because he's well, a difference maker.
0: Well, I just ask about him because I'm I'm curious again, um, maybe what you expect as far as Amac getting another start we saw him on the floor first last time around um i know that some of that is impacted by uh the health of, of daniel boccio but hi can you give me two answers here what do you expect to see tomorrow is it amac on the floor first again and then hypothetically if everybody's healthy right now is amac that starter is there a scenario with both of them on the floor at the same time how do you kind of see it working out it's a great question. I, I think
1: the other day, Amex started because Bacho had had uh, unfortunately had, uh, I think missed, according to Coach Adams. Anyway, he had missed some practice. Uh, you know, the, the day before, and just wasn't still feeling right. You know, yeah. and so, so I think that was a natural. Okay, we'll let Fardos start, and we'll let Bacho come off the bench. So, what does it look like tomorrow in Manhattan? It'll be one or the other, I, and 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 yet the whoever's not starting will be one of the first guys off the bench, and so gotcha. ultimately, I guess it. But um, I don't I don't know how practices have gone. I don't know because I mean, in some ways, I would tell you Bacho has more upside. Because and, and here's why: I hmm. don't know if, if if Bacho can quite score when all is going well as well as Fardos can. But I don't think there's any doubt who the better defensive player is. And so when you're talking – or the better player in transition, is just a better athlete. He gets yeah. up and down the floor. He protects the rim. I mean, these are just things that Fardos necessarily isn't – and, and to be fair, Fardos probably isn't in that kind of shape. But you want to switch off right. everything and guard out on the perimeter? Uh, Bacho is somebody that can absolutely guard smaller players much better than, than what Fardos could.
0: Interesting. Um, I just have this dream scenario as a basketball fan. I've always wanted to, and I don't think I ever have uh, been able to root for a team that was going Twin Towers on that ass. And there are a couple of times uh, that we've seen so far, a lot of sides on the floor all at once. Who was,
1: was that? Uh, was that Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson?
0: Well, see, in my or, era, unfortunately, I got to go with the team I hate with the fire of a thousand suns, mm-hmm. and it was the uh, very early portion of uh, David Robinson and Tim Duncan. I remember. oh yeah, there
1: you go. Okay, yeah. That,
0: I know there have been many other sets of of Twin Towers, but those are yeah, the ones I remember from my childhood.
1: It didn't. Uh, did Georgetown ever have uh, a pair of those with like? Uh, I'm Trying to remember if Matumbo and Patrick
0: Ewing were on the same. Uh, somebody time. was. I thought like Alonzo yeah. and somebody. You know, Fella Harrington there or something. Yeah, I can't. I can't yeah, or,
1: or, or Alonzo and Dikembe Mutombo, maybe. Anyway, but but let's yeah. try it out, boys. Let's try it out. <laughs> well. And, and the thing is, <laughs> if if you do that, you know, if, if I'm the opposition, I go, I go, hey, boys, okay, this is going to be a, a problem at some level. May not get a rebound, but you know what? Everybody spread out the floor, spread out the floor. Yeah. I pull those big dudes way out, and then I just try to break them down and, you know, and see what happens because the, there's just too much skill in this league. But Oh,
0: yeah, and you go right at their chest, and they probably got <laughs> five fouls in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, so. That's all right. Yeah, that's it'd right. be an interesting uh, kind of chess against, match to see work against Oklahoma. That
1: that style, that's where you could really do it. I mean, and I think against West Virginia, who you have coming up mid next week in in Lubbock, that that is gonna work, or, or you can do some of that against those kinds of teams because they would love to grind and push and shove and do all these different things. I just think against an up-tempo skill team, like trying to do it against Baylor or TCU, not good. You know, and probably yeah, against Kansas yeah. State as well. Uh, Kansas is another. So, you know,
0: th- there's some use for that. You know, I guess uh, at least for for the time being, it's like game to game you wonder about the status of Bacho. But from last game to uh, Kansas State, I guess he's still – Maybe slowly, but heading in the right direction. No, no, like status change or anything. I guess last few days.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't believe so. I think he he'll be fine. Now, again, I don't know for sure, but I believe he'll be uh, good to go and he'll yeah. be part of the uh, the rotation. Because w- when all is said and done, you look at it and it's like you have your five starters, whoever they are, and then you have really Lamar Washington and or Bacho or Fardos is, is kind of the guys you trust. Now, does Kerwin Walton, has he entered the chat here? Is he now – I mean, is he can, – can you count on some of this? I um, mean, four of six from three. I mean, it, you, know, we're, we're, you know, and that that's where it, – it's easy to have – it's not easy, but it, to have one of these flash-in-the-pan games, the hardest part is, is like, can you do this, you know, consistently? And I think that's now the next challenge. You know, I remember saying this to you about Lamar Washington about a game back in uh, November, December, when he got to the free throw line like 14 times and he scored double digits and we hadn't really seen one like that since. We saw a game from like DeMorean Williams who had a, he kind of lit it up and everything. And then we hadn't seen one since. So that's the hard part.
0: Well, and as I said at that time, uh, you don't even have to go for 17. Uh, Give us six or seven and some solid minutes. And I think you'll be doing uh, a fine job for what you're asked to do as a reserve. The rotation, I'm like just, boggled by not that I have like better ideas but I'm more so just uh, I'm confounded that we're sitting here almost toward the end of January and it just still seems so kind of scattered like who's trusted from game to game among those reserves it was really really light lifting last time out aside from Kerwin Walton and that's the maddening part for this coaching staff is
1: that you you don't know who has it or who's going to make a difference from game to game. And that's hard because it's a bit of a guessing game. And I think that, I think that against Texas and Marcus said this, uh, you know, I talked to coach uh, Pinkins before the, the Baylor game too, about the same topic uh, for the broadcast in that they, they, they really shrunk that rotation versus Texas. They didn't play near as many guys and, I think they ultimately felt like we ran out of gas, you know, Curran Walton and DeMoreon Williams. I mean, Curran Walton didn't play DeMorean Williams barely played Elijah Fisher didn't play Robert Jennings didn't play, you know, and, and so they, they really shrunk that rotation versus Texas. And I think they, they felt like at the very end when it mattered the most it ran out of gas, you know, yeah. just did, didn't quite have it. So there was a conscious effort versus Baylor. We're going to play more guys, and you know, and then that's that's kind of what you what you get. And you had a guy like and Walton step up and take advantage of it. And then he continued to to, to get in, inserted into the lineup a bit. But again, against Kansas State, I don't know what you'll get or who will play, who won't play. And that's yeah. that's that in some ways, it's maddening for Mark because it's it's like the spin in the wheel, man. It's like, okay, who's got it today? And, and the, when, when coaches have it rolling, they look down at that bench and they know exactly what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a dude that, that is a defensive stopper or he's going to take a charge or he's going to give me instant offense.
0: Right now, you're just kind of, you know, you're not real sure. And I'm not real sure, just to, to wrap it up with this, I'm not real sure what I think about Davion Harmon right now. Uh, is Davion Harmon playing well? Is he playing poorly? Is he somewhere in the middle? I look at the guy in the game and I just feel – kind of more so like an out-of-control vibe or a dribbling-too-much vibe. And then I'm checking numbers after the game. you got a 6-2 to to assist-to-turnover ratio. I'm like, okay, well, that seems a lot better than it actually looked. What is the grade on Davion Harmon right now? I know that he wasn't scoring a lot last time out, but he's a double-digit average scorer so far this season, around 12. And he's had some productive games. But where do you feel like he's checking in as we hit the stretch run of January?
1: Yeah, he he is – he he is as fast baseline to baseline as anybody I've ever seen. He's as good with the ball in his hands in transition as really anybody I've ever seen at the college level. And I, and I that that's heavy heavy praise. Um, I I don't know if he finishes as consistently as you want to, but there's a lot that he does. Yeah. he's your best on ball defender. Um, I I think if you're looking to like you know pick at what Davion's doing in that okay. D- does does he does he facilitate as much as he needs to or does he settle for a wild shot at times that that may be fair. I've heard the the staff kind of talk with him about some of those things. And then ultimately, if, if college basketball teams aren't winning games, it's what we talked about. we'll skip to the very beginning of the show. Ultimately, you, you point at guard play because guard play is it's like the QB man. You, you get you get a lot of the the credit, a lot of the blame, and w- when you're not winning, people look at other guards versus yours, and it's like that. The, there's some subtle differences, and that's just kind of yeah. so. It's not about like numbers at the end of the game. It's about like okay, when a team goes on an 8-0 run, the gu- like a key guard, a smart guard, either sets somebody up, hits a shot, something to stop it, and uh, or, or at the end of the game when the crowd's going crazy and, you, and you're just trying to hang in there and go tit for tat on against a team, a guard, a key guard, an older guard kind of can keep you in the game. I will say this about Harmon. Against Texas, he hits a couple of circus shots that, you know, made the game, you know, gave you a slight chance at the very end. Uh, but, you know, there, there's been times, too, where it's just like against Kansas, where Davion just didn't play very well. That's just it's what happens against uh, good teams. But yeah, it, it would be nice to have um, more, you know, playmaking. And, and, and with that comes not just offense, but just setting guys up, man, yeah. giving guys easy looks um and if they don't knock him down it's not necessarily your fault but just you know because i'm but i'm telling you when he gets the ball in his hands and he gets going downhill i love it. i just sit back and like okay well i know this is gonna be an attempt at the rim and i love it because <laughs> right. i mean i've seen it from right hand left hand falling away it, uh, dunks i mean it's all the above but he, there's a gear that i've just not seen with him it's it's impressive
0: we'll see if texas tech can break the seal i've said that before i'm saying it again coming up this weekend in manhattan kansas as they're looking for their first conference win we'll be back to discuss it on the other side of the weekend for better or worse and we're back coming up next to the gridiron we discussed tyler shuck on yesterday's episode we want to get to who else is talking tyler shuck it's a committee a committee with hardware and i ain't talking lug nuts baby we'll get to that coming up next On Locked On Texas Tech. But first, today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all that fat. You don't want all them calories. You got to try Built Bar, where healthy is actually tasty. What makes them so good? For starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. Unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. Not sure how they do it, but they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros what's even better they're good for you only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and now available at your local walmart or sam's club get that four bar box get that 13 bar box and thank me later after you've tried your first built bar Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech a part of your day, whenever, wherever. However, you're dialing us up. We appreciate it out here west of the 100th meridian where it's really going down. In the great state for now, but uh, Kansas soon to be the scene on the hoops front. We're talking football to wrap up today's episode, wrap up the week, however, as we were touching yesterday on the dynamic between Tyler Shuck, Baron Morton, others in the QB room. Uh, Chris, we're talking today about Tyler Shuck and the name Heisman, once again, being in close proximity. When he arrived on campus, before we ever saw Tyler Shuck, this name was attached to his profile, right? You talked about, or you heard about uh, NFL prospects. You heard about Heisman kind of preseason attention, and then injuries got in the way of everything. But it seems like uh, though we're very early in the offseason, that a great finish for Tyler Shuck individually to finish the year and for his team overall has gotten him kind of back on those radars.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think
0: that four-game
1: winning streak, uh, because, you know, the, the, the Heisman is just a it's a weird award, just so I'm clear. They, they let a gazillion people vote on it, people that it's like, oh, you know, they let the former, you know, winners uh, vote on it. It, it. it's It's a weird process. Uh, but it it is it kind of is a sign and you have to win as much as you put up numbers uh, and all that so there's some things kind of attached to it and it typically goes to a, a, a guy from a blue blood program but shuck is in is on the list that i saw uh had four different players from big 12 schools for next year listed and it was a lengthy list and tyler shuck to be fair was at the bottom of that but i think it is a sign of uh, some nice respect uh, based on on what Tyler has done and what kind of I think people think he can do. Do, do I ultimately think? And, and I tell you, it was Dylan Gabriel was one of the other ones. Don't don't foresee him being a real Heisman contender because they would have to win eleven or twelve games. And I just they were six and seven last year. Uh, and then and then here here was the other two interesting ones. Yeah, you you saw this as, as well as <laughs> I do. Quinn Ewers uh, was fairly high. And I just thought he was extremely average this year compared to what the expectations were. He may get it turned and all that, but I, I think that it's impossible, going to be impossible for him to win it because of the other guy that I'm going to uh, mention here, and that's Arch Manning. He was also <laughs> okay. listed fairly high, and, and I just think they'll cannibalize themselves. You know, Whereas if, if, if either one of them split time with the other, I just think at that point, they're both out of, of a conversation like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you need to play the bulk of your games and, and be the reason why uh, your team is winning. But but that that was it. It's, unless I missed something on the list that I saw, those are the only Big 12 players listed at all, and Shuck was one of the fourth ones. And, you know, I think that Shuck and Dylan Gabriel, two of the top returning quarterbacks uh, in the conference, and and that's why I say I just don't know how many teams have a legit backup or a legit co-starter uh, like Baron Morton. Uh, and, and that would affect – Tyler in a conversation like this too, because if Barron sees any meaningful time next year, that, that takes Sh- Shuck out of a conversation like this as well. But um, Sh- Tyler Shuck is going to get a chance to play. If he's healthy and and can, can prove that he can stay somewhat durable and all these things, some NFL team is going to give him a shot, possibly via a draft pick.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, I-, I think he's that kind of player.
0: I think it's kind of funny, though. I'm not surprised. I think it's kind of funny that uh, you get two quarterbacks mentioned for the University of Texas, one of which uh, I guess just stepped on campus. Been losing his ID all over campus for some reason. I don't know why that's become an internet thing. Uh, But either way, um, you get two of those guys uh, on this list. Meanwhile, you've got Tyler Shuck. That's one for Texas Tech. And you do have another quarterback that was fairly flashy uh, in some some brief, I guess, outings, we could say, in and Baron Morton yet. I don't see a Morton mentioned. But meanwhile, because there is, uh, I guess, a longhorn on the helmet or a bunch of stars beside the guy's name that has never taken a college snap, yeah, we'll put two Texas guys on there. eh? We're trying to make a top 25 list. We've only got 24. Who else? I don't know. Put the Texas back up. Put the Texas deep snapper. Who cares? It's Texas. (laughs) Put them on the Heisman frontrunner short list. I just thought that was kind of interesting that Arch Manning is already getting... A nod, and I can't wait, wait for it to flame out spectacularly as Steve Sarkeesian continues to trash the program. I thought the ride would already be over by this point, but it'll be fun to continue to watch it spiral further uh, until they do give Jeff Trailer a call. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we didn't see Sarkeesian uh, calling Ewers or Arch Manning motherfuckers like he did that poor little sweet innocent TV boy. Uh, and probably on national television, it's kind of a habit he has. But uh, Tyler Shuck, to me, Chris, that was just a roundabout way of finding some opportunity to mix in the fact that Steve Sarkeesian cussed out a sweet little innocent TV <laughs> on national well, television.
1: And you, 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 like wh- here's what here's what I bet here's one theory on how that that thing plays out in Austin with with Arch Manning. It's going to be extremely. I don't know how you manage the Ewers uh, Manning thing there's going to be a lots of folks clamoring for the other, okay, whoever's not playing, more <laughs> more so than we've really ever seen. And I, I bet that's really slanted toward wanting to see more of Arch Manning because people have seen some of Quinn Ewers, and some of it was okay. Some of it was just bad, like at Oklahoma State this past year. Uh, and uh, But if Arch Manning isn't – happy and he ever transfers, in my opinion, it, it, it would cost Steve Sarkeesian his job. Like mm. that would be kind of like, like you know, final, not, you know, depending on – because if he were to look to go elsewhere, it, it probably hasn't gone that well. And it's not like it's gone that well anyways. And so at some point it's like we got this unbelievable quarterback, now he's leaving. You know, we can't even – you know, so I, I, I think that, that Sarkeesian's job status – and how this QB thing is handled? It, there's probably a direct connection there, you know. Um, and it's going to be hard to keep. We saw it; it's hard to keep. Uh, and, and can you imagine? You know, Arch Manning on the open market uh, in the portal. Like, w- <laughs> what, what's that worth to somebody? Too much. I mean,
0: too much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is so just entertaining to see Texas uh, fooling around with these two. High-priced guys that uh they are extremely high-priced and it's- have done nothing. And I, I really think both of them. And this is like analysis you won't get anywhere else. I think both of them are just too <laughs> ugly to be good starting quarterbacks. You need like a, you need a handsome dude to be a good starting quarterback. We've got two fine, handsome gentlemen of West Texas here in the LBK with Baron Morton and Tyler Shuck. And look at these two goobers, fresh off the turnip <laughs> truck. We got down there and awesome. I, I mean, Arch Manning has got. Too much Case McCoy going on with him. I feel like it just, something ain't right with these boys' faces. I don't know exactly if they lived near a power plant or what was happening uh, early on, but that's just my take, and maybe some others will disagree with that take. I don't know. Check out Locked on Longhorn see if they're breaking down any facial symmetry or anything like that as it pertains to their chances of winning football games this year. Tyler Shuck on a Heisman list. I don't know. Frankly, don't really care. The Heisman Trophy is a total non-event. Uh, to this college football fan. But Chris, when we came into knowing Tyler Shuck, as I already mentioned, you heard a lot of these things. And I got to say, it's been a long time coming to actually see some of that uh, come to fruition as far as the hype. But I did become a little bit of believer in understanding why you heard some of those things before he arrived in West Texas. When we finally saw him uh, get a healthy stretch put together. And I said yesterday, he looked like a player. He looked like a leader. And so I'm excited to have him back uh, on campus once again in 2023. And yeah, you already mentioned it. You'll have to have the team uh, do some lifting as well if you hope to actually be on this type of list uh, as the season progresses. Right?
1: Ditto. Yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> what you said. I thought
1: you nailed it. Yeah, I just think he's real smart. He's got size. It's really just about winning and and then being durable for him. Uh, and 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 again, if he can, like you're covered there. But, the, but just his journey, uh, I think. Uh, I think that's what it's all about. But I just know he's going to get up on a chalkboard in front of NFL people and really wow them because he takes it all very seriously. He's very well studied. I think he's tough. He can, he can Those legs of his are, are a weapon, as we've seen. I think arm strength. I mean, he checks a lot of boxes, man, because he's a legit 6'3", 225, you know, 220 type guy. So he's got some size uh, to go with it. But, uh, you know, and he's got some swagger too because uh, – you know, I think that there was button pushing going on with with the QB race back in uh, back in August, and I think you know, sh- as the story goes, Chuck sh- would like walk up and he'd be like, I-, "I see what y'all are doing," and then and then they'd go live and they'd go like five for five and a seven on seven drill, and he'd walk over there and be like, you know you know, he bleep, bleep, bleep that, you know, right. I mean, it's like, that's just kind of, that's just kind of how he, he rolls, but I, I, I'm all about it. You know, uh, I, I think it's great. You need some level of that
0: uh, as a college quarterback, sure. at a big time level. Yeah, And looking forward to seeing the entire team get their opportunity to get back on the field. Football season is just around the corner, almost here in roughly 1,217 days. So we've got just a little <laughs> bit of time, but it's just right around, Right around the corner. Chris, hope you have a fantastic weekend, man. I hope we're both talking about one freaking Big 12 basketball win when we reconvene on Monday. But whether or not we are, we will reconvene. Looking forward to the time then. And uh, thanks for the time this week. Keep hope alive, man. Enjoy the weekend, people. Uh, hopefully, we we bring down the old
1: uh, purple kitty cats there in uh, Manhattan, and uh, maybe life will be a bit better. We'll see. And hopefully, I'm not snowed in too. So I'm doing a lot of hoping, man. Doing a lot of hope. But it it is
0: alive. It is alive. Oh man! And I'm glad we don't have time for you to ask me how I would rank in order of preference those hopes. Like, do I want Chris home, or do I want a conference win? Uh, oh, I, tra- are- I, tra- I trade a win right now for... You'd I, spend I- an extra night in Manhattan for I a win? I would,
1: for a win, yes, I would. <laughs> all right, if
0: you say it, then I guess I can say it as well. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't mind, Chris, spending two nights if that's what it takes in Manhattan, Kansas. So let's just all pull together. Hold oh, time out. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, yeah. And he'll have a farm started by Monday, a crop by Wednesday. You hang out in Manhattan that long with our fine agrarian friends. All right, Chris, hope you have a fantastic trip and are back in West Texas in some type of timely fashion and thank you for joining us all week long on locked on texas tech catch up on anything you might have missed on youtube or anywhere you get podcasts and make sure you're subscribed on youtube so you never miss an episode thanks for making us your first listen and make locked on college basketball your second listen your one-stop shop for college hoops right here on the locked on podcast network that's locked on college basketball available on youtube or anywhere you get podcasts for chris level i'm casey Cowan. we'll see you on the other side I'm locked on Texas Tech.